Well, my friends, this evening we continue our reading from our Lord's Sermon on the Mount. Remember, we are in chapters 5 through 7 of the Gospel of Matthew, and that this is the, the handbook, if you will, the, of what it means to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, we've been reading this for, I think this is our fourth week, and we just finished the first chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, right? We're one-third of the way through, so we're going to not get to the rest of it in our Sunday Masses because we're starting Lent on Wednesday. So I really encourage you to go and read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, to really read it and, and dive into this playbook, the handbook of what it means to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus here in the Sermon on the Mount is very definitively the new Moses, up going up the mountain, And not saying, thus says the Lord, but saying, I say to you, right? And we get that in a special way tonight. Because who said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? Well, that is in the Pentateuch. Moses, right? You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Which was meant to be like, if someone punches you in the eye, don't chop their head off, right? It's meant to be a a restriction on how much vengeance can be taken. But even there, like Moses said, you've heard it was said by Moses, an eye for an eye and a tooth tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, Jesus is the new and definitive Moses, God himself speaking with authority. And today he teaches us that as his disciples, we are to live this radical love and forgiveness, particularly love your enemies. Love your enemies. If we are going to actually be disciples of Jesus Christ, love your enemies. The world, there's a wonderful novel. I really recommend that you read it. It could be some really good Lenten reading called Quo Vadis by the Polish author Heinrich Senkiewicz. And in that, you get a wonderful picture of the pre-Christian world in pagan Rome where it really was kill or be killed, where there really was vengeance and hatred and murder and it was just the, the way of the day. And when Christianity comes on the scene now with these radical teachings that we've been hearing for 2,000 years, so I mean, maybe it's kind of cliche for us, but not for the early church. And if we're really going to radically live it, it's, it's something brand new. Love your enemies. Actually, the person that you consider an enemy, the person that, that you have a, a rivalry with, the person who is wronged you, with whom you radically disagree, love that person. Actually, love them. Don't just tolerate them. Definitely don't detract from them, definitely don't go spreading all kinds of angry words about them, definitely don't murder them. No, love them. That we, as disciples of Jesus, are not meant to be a people that devolve into resentment and retribution. And I would say, look, there's probably not much of a, um, not much of a threat in 21st century Connecticut that we're going to just go murdering people that we don't like. But we live in an age where, on a social media, I can post any number of hateful, angry things 
that we can find ways to get our voice out there in hateful, angry, destructive ways that I can read whatever your news feed says or your tweets or whatever it is, right? And that I can determine that I hate you because you have different opinions than me, because you're different from me. And that I am going to spend my life now speaking poorly of you. With all of our means of mass communication, we managed to say some pretty nasty things. And you could do it like that. I can fire off a very angry, snarky, hateful email like that. Luckily, iPhone actually gives me the option now to unsend it within a few seconds. So, you know, at least we're making some progress. But we can do that. And we could just break people. And we can badger them. And we can just berate them. We could do it to their face. Or more often, we do it to people around them or people around us. And we act in this hateful way. And if we are going to be true disciples of Jesus Christ, then each and every one of us here tonight has to say, never again. Not me, not my house. That we will not engage in this hateful, destructive behavior. That we're actually going to love our enemies. That those that are the worst to us, we're going to love them. We're actually going to pray for them. Like, and not just pray that they convert, right? That'd be good. Like, we should pray for their conversions, right? Uh, but to pray for their good. Like, I want good for that person. And if someone is doing bad things, good is conversion. But I want, Lord, I don't want that person to burn in hell, right? I don't want that person to be punished for all of eternity. No, Jesus, I want that person to be a saint. I want that person to fall in love with you. In fact, I want that person that hates me right now, I want them to become holier than I could ever be. I want them to be better than me. I love them. I really want to love that person. That person that frustrates me. That person that hates me. That person that maybe persecutes me. That person, Jesus, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to do my best to love them. And this, uh, well, first, let's put a little caveat here. When we do that, it doesn't mean that we enable their bad behavior. To love our enemies doesn't mean enabling our enemies. And if somebody has bad and destructive tendencies, it doesn't mean that we have to put ourselves in the war path of those. We don't have to go out of our way, our way, and we definitely should not ever put ourselves in situations where we can be victimized. No. But I'm going to love that person. And loving them actually is maybe not letting myself be around them, not giving them an, an easy target, but praying for them and actually wanting what's good for them. And we can do this in all kinds of creative ways, that we have to do this. We can do it with real joy. We can do it in friendship. I heard a story a couple years ago about a priest, a priest from Open State, Father Jim was his name, and he just moved to a new city and he went to a get-together lunch with a bunch of priests. And he was a younger guy. And there was this old, grouchy priest there. And Father Jim went up and introduced him. Hi, I'm Father Jim. I'm a new priest. I'm from Opus Dei. And this old grouch said, I hate Opus Dei, right? I hate this. And he's, he just looks at him. He's from Spain. He's like, well, that doesn't mean we can't be friends, 
right? That, you hate the, the group that I'm a part of? Fine. That doesn't mean we can't be friends. And they became, because instead of devolving into this hatred and this rivalry, this one priest just simply, almost with a smile, said, well, we can still be friends. And they became friends. And in fact, not many people liked this grouch, this grouchy priest, except Father Jim, who would go out to lunch with him and visit him and end up taking care of him as he got sick and then later died. And they actually became good friends. Love our enemies. Love people that say vocally that they hate us. You know, to really love them with creativity. To really try to find ways to act for their true good. That's what we're called to. And as we wrap up this first chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, it's important to see that this is a tall order, right? This is a really tall order. This is, this is difficult. To live the radicality of the gospel is very difficult. But we, and it's been the theme for the last four weeks, each one of us has to live it. We don't really get much of it. If we are going to be disciples of Jesus Christ, We have to live this. It's not for someone else. It's for me and it's for you. It's for each one of us. That's when Jesus says here at the end of this chapter, so be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That word perfect in Greek is teleoi. Teleoi. It comes from the word to be, be what you were made to be. U.S. Army, be all that you can be. Right? Be all, go army. Be all that you can be. That's, we are called to be Jesus. We're called to be other Christ. I think I've said it sometime in the last few weeks. Your life or my life may be the only gospel that some people ever read. Their interactions with us may be their only contact with Christianity and the person of Jesus Christ. And so what kind of gospel do they read when they meet us? Every one of us has to live this radical love, this radical commitment to Jesus Christ. We, and this comes from the Second Vatican Council, the laity, particularly the lay faithful, are gathered together in the people of God and make up the body of Christ under one head. Whoever they are, they are called upon as living members to expend all their energy being perfect for the growth of the church and its continuous sanctification. Every single member of the faithful is called to expend not just one hour a week, coming to church, it's a good thing to do. No, all of our energy, every breath of every minute of every day, everything we have, striving to be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect, striving to be all that we were made to be, to really be other Jesuses, to be able to say with St. John the Baptist, he must increase and I must decrease. That's who we're called to be, and particularly today focusing on this commandment, to love our enemies, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, radically live the gospel, this gospel of love, And so let's ask our Lord Jesus for this grace. It's a tall order. Not a single one of us can do it all by ourselves. Not a one. But with God's grace, Jesus Christ himself acting through us, it's really possible to live this way. And when we do, the gospel message of Jesus Christ shining through us 
will reach to some of those darkest, most hateful corners of the world, and the light of the gospel will shine upon all peoples.